we are in a series called What Can I Bring? And what we're talking about is over the holidays, you're going to be invited to a bunch of parties, a bunch of gatherings. We have Thanksgiving coming up. And if someone invites you, typically the next question you ask is, can I bring something or what can I bring? And, uh, you know, they'll say a salad or whatever. And uh, we joked uh, the very first week that I, the reason Marquise talked about casseroles was I made the admission that I don't, uh, I don't like casseroles, okay? And it was as though I said, Jesus didn't exist. I mean, the amount of grief, the amount of grief I've gotten over casseroles for crying out loud, you guys, leave me alone, okay? Gosh, it's like, do you believe in the Bible? No. Do you like casseroles? No. Go, you're, you're not going to make it to heaven. I, I don't know. Anyway. So, so anyway, uh, uh, so you, you bring it, and, and then we also talked about when you bring something, you know, you always kind of have your eye open to see if the thing you brought is the thing people like or not, and we can get our feelings hurt and, you know, go home with a whole casserole um, and, uh, that we didn't eat or, or, or whatever. So that's what we were talking about. And so we, we started talking about what are, what are some things you can bring to these gatherings, that everyone's gonna love. That uh, that you're gonna um, you there will be no leftover. So the first week we talked about empathy, and uh, seeing the world through another person's eyes, and grieving with those who grieve, and rejoicing with those who rejoice. And then the second week, last week we talked about kind of the sister to empathy is forgiveness, and we talked about why that's so important, and especially as followers of Jesus, why it's so important. Uh, to, to uh, forgive. And this week, we're going to talk about another topic that I actually talked about when we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit in March. So we're going to hit it again, but this time in a little different uh, way. Uh, last time in March, uh, you can listen to that one if you go onto the app and go back uh, a few months. Um, it, it's on the idea of joy, that you can bring joy to a party. Now, uh, if you're like me, there are some gatherings that you'll go to where um, you're not expecting it to be a very joyful uh, time. Maybe you have some family members that, uh, uh, well, let's just say they're a little difficult, or you might, might be an office party or something else. But what, what I wanted to talk about this morning is to challenge you a little bit, because I can never understand a non-joyful Christian. And there's lots of them. And it just kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like if you actually believe what you believe, you, 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 I don't know if you've ever met these Christians. I've met, I've met them. Now, fortunately, Living Spring is a joyful place. There's, you know, but, but I've met these. I don't know if you've heard the term RBF, resting Bible face. <laughs> and it's just this idea that they're just scowling all the time. Now, just before you get, I get any emails or anything, uh, the, the, um, this doesn't mean you can't mourn or be sad. Jesus, it says, was a man of many sorrows. So there were times, there's times to mourn. There's times to grieve. But sometimes when we enter into a place, and I'm just talking to followers of Jesus. Just follow, so if you're, if you're new to the Bible or you're new to Christianity or whatever, you, you can act any way you want at these parties. But I'm talking to Christians like, We've got to realize the amount of joy that is available to us. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to show you in the Bible why uh, Jesus was a joyful person. Oftentimes we think of Jesus as very stoic, 
and you know maybe a little frown on his face because of your sin of what you did this last week uh, or whatever it is or he's very serious or all this but I'm gonna show you from the scripture that that actually is not the case that he can be serious and joyful at the same time. It's, they don't have, it doesn't have to be so serious. You know, the Bible says this and all these different things. You can be serious about the Bible. I am dead serious about the Bible. I take it, I model my whole, I do my best to model my whole life around it. But it, it's certainly not going to rob me of my joy. So we're going to look at that, and then we're going to go into uh, um, uh, a little section of scripture in, in Philippians, just a couple verses, and then we'll hit Romans, and uh, that's where we'll spend uh, a, lot, a lot of our time. But we're going to start with Jesus uh, first. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, the author is talking about Jesus, and he's putting uh, down all these different qualifications, all these different attributes about Jesus, right? And so he gets to this one part out of Isaiah, he's quoting, and he says, you have loved righteousness, in other words, you're dead serious about holiness, okay? So that's and hated uh, wickedness, therefore God, your God, has set you above all your companions. Now, how do you think Jesus was above his companions? What was the marker in Jesus's life that placed him above his companions? Was it uh, how smart he was? Was it how serious about the Bible he was? Was it his knowledge? Was it uh, his position of power? What, what set him apart by anointing you with the oil of joy? Isn't that sweet? That's my Savior, Jesus. He was anointed with the oil of joy. As a matter of fact, and, and John, if you're new to the Bible, you know what a really cool place, if you want us to just start reading this week, just start in John, uh, the, the book of John in chapter 15 through 17. It's not that long, and it's mostly just Jesus talking, and you get this idea of his heart for you. That it's, it's actually Jesus' own words. And then in 17, Jesus prays to his heavenly father. So you have this, you have this the, the, we believe in a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have the Son communing with the Father. It's, a, it's such a beautiful prayer. We're going to read a little part of it. But it gives you the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus. And watch what he says. He goes, remain in my love and I'll, I'll remain in you. It's kind of, I, I caught it ha halfway through the sentence. But but it is, he is serious, do what I command, right? So we're just, we're just reiterating that being joyful doesn't mean you're just frivolous about your holiness or like, ah, it's cool, everything's cool. It's not, it's not, it's not that, do what I command. And he goes on and you think to yourself, well, if, if you do what I command, that's kind of serious. So um, we are watching our grandkids uh, over the last four days, just Lisa and I, uh, without any police intervention or anything just it's just the two of us just on an island and I just want to say this I just to the young families who are here God bless you God I had totally forgotten I had to, the fact that you got up got dressed got your kids dressed and got to church you made it to heaven that's the only qualification <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know how you did it. I, don't know how you did. I left the house this morning, and I felt like I was cheating because that left Lisa alone. And on my way out, Lisa goes, I'm going to be late, <laughs> right? So, so if you uh, have young kids and you're late, we bless you. It's okay. You can be late. We love you very much, right? But when we talk to our kids, what do we say? We want them to do what we command, right? We're serious because we're the, we're the parents. If you're 
a teacher or whatever, in any place of authority, that's kind of serious work, right? But watch what he says. Watch the result of obedience. You think the result of obedience is, man, I don't get to do anything. This is boring. Watch the result of obedience. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, imagine if you go to your next outing. Maybe it's a, 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 you know, your, a school event or whatever, and your number one goal is, I'm going to be a person of joy there. People don't get tired of that. They don't get tired of that. He goes on in, in chapter 16. Until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask and you receive, and your joy will be complete. There's this idea that if you are a follower of Jesus, and you are modeling your life after his, you will be a person of joy. That, that all the circumstances of whatever's going on, a war in Ukraine, a war in the Middle East, the uh, uh, inflation, you can't afford a house. All those things just go to the wayside. Are they important? Absolutely they're important. But they don't rob us of our joy. He, goes, he says this again. Um, he's praying now to uh, his heavenly father. And he says, I'm coming to you now. It's so sweet. Jesus talking to God. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Isn't that amazing? So how do we, how do we get there? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit. This, is, this, this morning is the most basic sermon you've ever heard. Uh, this is the, we are going to, this is meat and potatoes. That's all it is. No casserole, no cream and mushroom soup put in there. None of that. This is just meat and potatoes. I'm not going to talk about casseroles anymore. That was the last time. But, but uh, this kind of gives you the idea of where is Jesus' source of joy coming from, and, and then how is it represented, and how is it displayed, okay? So the, Fer the Sadducees came up to Jesus, and they were trying to trick Jesus, and uh, this is just bonus, uh, just for you this week. Don't try to trick Jesus. It's not going to work, okay? So uh, the Sadducees come. They try to trick Jesus, and Jesus, uh, like, uh, silences them, okay? It's really cool. You got to read your Bible. There's so many good things in there, but... Um, and so the Pharisees heard about it, and they're like, well, Sadducees, they're, they can't do anything. What about the Pharisees? We'll trick him. Okay, so that's, that's where we are, Matthew 22, uh, verses 34 through 35. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they all huddled together. They gathered themselves together, and they came up with a plan of how they're going to get Jesus. And one of them, a lawyer, so you already know there's a problem. Uh, just, just kidding, lawyers. Uh, you know how many lawyers? No, okay, all right. Uh, he asked him a question, testing him, okay? So this is what's happened. And here's what they say. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, oftentimes in the Bible, when someone asks Jesus a question, he asks them a question right back, okay? He, 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 de he deflects it. Okay? Jesus only answer just a few questions in the Bible. He asks a whole bunch of questions, but he only answers. So when he answers a question, as a reader, a student of the Bible, you should take notice. Jesus didn't, Jesus had an answer to this question. What's the greatest commandment in the Bible? Like that's a pretty important question. And Jesus doesn't deflect. He doesn't say, he has in the past gone, well, how, 
How do you read it? What does it say to you? He's done that in the past. This time he actually answers the question. And here's what he says. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and in other places it says, and with all your strength. So when I quote this verse, I usually add, and with all your strength. He didn't at this point, but that's what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he answers a question that they didn't even ask. Because the two are so closely tied together, and the two are so much a source of the joy that we have wherever we go, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is actually our strength, right? And so he says this. He says, this is the great and foremost commandment, the number one. Number two, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The source of our joy is our love for God and our love for people. If any of those two are missing, it robs us of our joy. As a matter of fact, it, when you look at these as being the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you kind of get a better idea of what sin actually is. Sin is not just right or wrong, a list of rules that God came out. Sin damages one of those two commandments. It separates you from either God or others. So if you go through and you look at all the different sins in the Bible, whatever you want to pick, lying, adultery, whatever, all those things, it, it, it's, it's damaging those two relationships. That's why when we look at things, don't covet your neighbor's, you know, you know ox, or don't covet this, or don't look at this, or that. It's all because it's, it, it's going to damage those two relationships. And when those relationships are intact, your love for God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your love for others, it's a source of immense joy because there's unity, okay? So that's what he, that's what he says. And then he makes this incredible statement. Basically, he says, and that's the Bible. <laughs> like, like, here's what he says. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're walking through life and you have no joy, I would imagine there's something amiss with either one of those things. The good news is that through Christ on the cross, the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, it's really easy to mend that relationship. We just say, Lord, would you forgive me for the sin that separated me from you? And you're, you're back on track again. Others, sometimes it's a little more difficult. That's why we talked about forgiveness last week. But that, that's it. Uh, uh, Philippians says it this way, okay? Uh, rejoice in the Lord always, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, I'll say it again. That's, I just love this part that Paul writes. Now listen, you say to yourself, well, John, I, I would rejoice in the Lord. But let me just tell you, I watch the news, and let me tell you what's going on in the world, Right? If you knew what was going on in the world and you watch the news like I do and I'm very informed, it just take, it robs me of my joy. There's just, there's no, it's, it's depressing. But, and, and, or, or if you imagine we get one of the two old white dudes in the, in the office again, right? You know, like pick your side, whichever old white dude you want, uh, right? Imagine, right? Oh, what would happen? What would happen? Nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. It affects your relationship with Jesus 0%. 0%. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. And here's how I know this, because Paul was in prison when he wrote this. So I don't know who's going to be the next president or what's going to happen to the economy or whatever, but it ain't prison, okay? If he can rejoice while he's in prison, imagine what you and I can do with this, this fullness of joy that Jesus gives us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. And then he goes on. So that's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let that be a, a, a fuel to your joy. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Paul goes on. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Isn't that sweet? So Paul is saying to these people, this persecuted church in Philippi, you guys, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. What, what, what possibly could, go, could happen? That would mess up your joy in the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Here's, here's how Romans says it. Now, here's the problem when we get to a famous section of Scripture, like we're going to be in Romans 8 right now. In Romans 8, uh, oftentimes when you've seen a verse a whole bunch of times, it's real simple to just kind of like rush past it and ra rather than sitting with it for a while. But we're going we're gonna to slow down a little bit when we get to Romans 8. Because sometimes people will quote this scripture and, and, and just kind of like flipping. Or they're going through some real uh, times of grief. And they, if, if you're going through a real difficult time of grief, you, you can grieve and still have joy. Just so you know, those aren't mutually exclusive. But you're going through, and someone might quote this verse to you, right? It's super annoying, but, but, but so we don't want to miss it, okay? So here's what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Right? You might have memorized this verse that God works all things for good, right? You might, might have done done that. This is the NIV version. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now that, that in and of itself, if you take this to heart, I don't know what you're going through, like I, whatever it is, but what I want you to do is I want you to take just 30 seconds and think of the thing that's bothering you the most right now. It might be your finances. It might be an adult child uh, that uh, that you've raised, it might be one of your little kids, it might be a teacher, it might be a boss, it might be the economy, it might be politics, it might be a war. Just take, just take that thing and own it like the thing that's really, really getting to you. What the Bible says is that thing, God can work through that thing in your life. He can use whatever that thing is. You guys, to me, this is, this is wonderful news. This is wonderful news that there's nothing that can happen in my neighborhood, in this church, at my, at my job, at my school. There's nothing that can happen that God cannot use. And that is a source of joy. We know, he says, that in all things, every little thing, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And here's the next verse that I want you guys to really own as a source of your joy this week. Again, I, this is so basic, I, I, I feel like I'm not going to get my point across uh, in, with the depth that it needs to get across. Listen 
to what the Bible says about your heavenly father and his relationship with you. And think about that thing that bothers you and put them next to each other and see which one wins out. For those God foreknew, in other words, he knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. He, he knew exactly who you would become, right? He also predestined, that's kind of a fancy word for chose before or... Uh, the church, the big C church, they argue over this all the time with like Calvinism and Arminianism. And do we get to choose to become a Christian or did God choose us and we have no cho choice? You know, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect our lives one way or the other. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the money right there, right? So we become like Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So we start with the source of our joy, just like Jesus. God knew you before you were born. He knows you right now. He knows everything you're going through. He knows everything you're trying to hide. He knows when you're faking it. He knows when you're lying. He knows all this stuff. And he chose you to become like his son. That is such good news. How? How in the world can we be Christians and not have joy with that knowledge, right? It's the most basic thing in the world, but we need, it's almost like we need to be reminded of it every day, don't we? We get so bent out of shape about things. And the Lord's going, what are you, what are you, don't, don't I have you? Don't I work all things together for good for you? Yeah, I got you. It's good. You're okay. Like I said, we were watching our, our kids, our grandkids and, um, uh, if I fall asleep right now, it's because I'm tired, uh, but I'm just playing, but, but right. But like what, what happens when, when, when we'll, we'll pick on Annie, the older one, right? When she doesn't get what she wants or there's something that doesn't want, she starts to cry, right? She starts to get, and what, what, what does grandpa say? Grandpa says, Hey, 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 it's okay. I got you. Don't worry about it. You, you literally have nothing to worry about. There's nothing in it. How much more? Does your heavenly father say, I got you. I know you, what you're going through is difficult. Don't let it rob you of your joy. It goes on, okay? He says, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now you tell me this week, what could possibly come up in your life that would rob you of your joy with this in mind? Nothing. And yet, we allow this stuff to come in all the time, and we get upset, and we're just like, we become that resting Bible-faced Christian. We're like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. What, what is that? What is that? That's not Jesus. Now, injustice, we grieve over injustice, Right? Of course, whenever there's injustice or there's marginalized people that are being mistreated or children, being, we grieve and we mourn in that. So I'm not trying to dismiss it and just say, put on a smiley face. But that everyday kind of weight that you feel like you're bearing is not placed on there by your heavenly father. It's placed on there by culture. And we have the answer to that. And those he predestined, he also called. That means, that means not only does he, does he know who you are, 
But he has a plan for you too in your calling. You, did, you didn't just come to Christ in order to just like, well, I came to Christ and now we just wait around for heaven. And that's what we do. No, 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 no. He has, remember, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus already told you what that looked like. It looked like the good Samaritan. In other words, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to be a risk, right? But that's, that's life. That's the Christian life to me. It's doing whatever I need to do to obey my Heavenly Father and to walk in a life of holiness and then to serve as much as I can. That's where the real joy is found. Those he predestined, he also called, and then he, uh, those, uh, he also justified, which means, uh, as we talked about a few weeks ago, it's kind of a little corny, but justified means just as if I hadn't sinned, right? Just if I hadn't sinned, right? So that's justified. He's, he's paid your price for you. Can you imagine that your sin is forgiven? That, that should just be amen all day long. That, you, that you're reconciled with your heavenly father through what Christ did on the cross. Man, that is joyful stuff. So then, then Paul wraps it up. Um, a shorter sermon this morning. You guys are, don't look that depressed about it. Uh, <laughs> Listen, listen, yeah, the joy of the Lord. Who said that? <laughs> ushers, ushers, remove that man. Remove that man. So we have, we have, we have very strong ushers here. They're like bouncers. <laughs> this is the craziest church I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, okay, so, so, then, so Paul gets this all teed up for us. And then he has a question that he wants you to answer. Paul asks a question that he wants me to answer this week. As a matter of fact, we sang part of this verse this morning. And here's the question. Remember, think of that thing that's really weighing on you. Okay, and it can be serious. I'm not saying just, you know, it could be a real issue. Like you might lose your house or whatever, whatever it is, okay? This is the context Paul wants us to see. What then shall we say in response to these things? In other words, how, how are you going to respond if you're really predestined, if you're really called by God, if he actually chose you, if he knew your name, and he doesn't care about your sin, he just said, let's put that behind you. Let's, from this day forward, let's start walking in holiness. Let's, let's go, basically. Then, then, then what, what do we say in response to all that? Like, how do we respond? And so... Your answer might be a little bit different than mine, but mostly you'd probably go, that's pretty awesome, right? Here, here, here's the question Paul asks. Ready? Watch. If God is for us, who could be against us? Answer that question. If God, the God of the universe, the God that created the heavens and the earth and created you and created me, if that God is for you, what in the world could possibly be against you? Who, who wins that battle every single day? God does. You do. There's nothing you can go through. The Bible says it this way. Neither height nor depth nor angels or nothing. There's going to be nothing. You could go down to the bottom of the ocean. He's there. 
If you go up to the highest heavens, he's there. He has got you. That should be such an incredible source of joy that when you go to that next party or you go getting through the holidays, you show up and you're like, hey, what's up? And you're like, oh, man, that's the boss. That, you know, that boss is so lame. And you're like, whatever. Can't do anything to me. Maybe you're going to a, a party with that you, and your ex is there. Right? And you're just like, uh, I don't want to see my act. What are they going to do? Nothing. They can't do anything. You think, oh, man. Okay. Okay, John, let me see. What about the economy? What if we go into a depression and we're just eating potatoes for the rest of our lives? And then what? Or casserole for the rest of your life. <laughs> Come on, son. Okay. Right, right. Okay, then what happens? Then you die. Then what happens? Oh, you spend eternity with Jesus. Okay. Oh, well, okay, what happens if what happens if this person gets in the office and then we got and morality, there's no morality and everything is just, you know, dogs and cats living together and it's just the whole like everything is just it's just a, nothing but it's like the zombie apocalypse. Okay. Okay. And then 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 what happens? You die and go to heaven, spend eternity with Jesus? Oh, okay. Like, you see, you see that? If God truly is for us, what, who can be against us? Answer the question. <laughs> You're going to have to answer it in your mind this week. When that thing comes up, you're watching the news, or you're watching TikTok, or you're watching something where you're like, how do, do these people actually live in the United States? I can't believe it, right? You're just watching, and all of a sudden, it starts bubbling up. Okay. If God's for you, what, 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 who could be against you? The answer is nothing. Nothing. He's too powerful. He loves you too much. He's got you. And that is an incredible, an incredible source of joy. As the worship band comes back up, um, we're going we're gonna to do something. They're going to uh, play a song. And um, what we do is we have, uh, we have pillows down here and uh, we kind of open the stage up as like an altar. And so if you want to um, kind of disrupt your routine and, and get up and come and kneel and pray, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. I do that every week when I get done preaching. I go and I kneel down to just reset, get set for my week. But you might have something that I, that I was maybe referenced, a boss or school or whatever it is. And you just want to pray for that. And you go, Lord, if you're for me... None of this means anything. I just, I just want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. It's so basic, right? So you can do that. There'll be some people by the cross here. If you have a need that you really want a prayer for, that they, 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 will, they, will, they will pray for you. And then uh, what we're going to do, uh, Mark, actually, um, I have a blessing on my, this final slide. So if you switch over to their lyrics... When I go up for the blessing, if you could switch me back, that'd be cool. Okay, cool. Oh, sorry, Anthony. You too. Okay. All right. So we're, we're going to have this time of, of, uh, of prayer. And, uh, you know, I, I really want to encourage you um, to not only be thinking about this during this, this song and this prayer time, but this week, meditate on the fact that he knows your name. He picked you. He picked you, and he loves you, and he's got you. Lord Jesus, 
we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing that can separate us from you. Except our own sin, which you paid for. So Lord, during this time of prayer, maybe for some of us, we need to just confess that sin. To ask you for forgiveness. Move on from it. Put it behind us. For others, it might be something else. Maybe we've hurt someone else or we've been hurt. We need to mend that as well. But I just pray during this time, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, watch over us, that you'd speak to us in your name.